Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get in the Garage. We're a music podcast. For music lovers. Uh, we've got another great show planned for you today, but before we do, like we always say, don't forget to like and comment and subscribe to the podcast, and uh, also share it with all your friends. It's a very small gesture on your part that makes a very big difference uh, on our side of uh, of the camera. So, um, Luke, how about you, uh, can you give us just a general quick rundown of the uh, the podcast? Yes, this week on the podcast, we have music news like always. We are going to talk about the new Beatles Revolver remix. Um, we are going to talk about Steely Dan's 50th anniversary of Can't Buy a Thrill, their debut album. We are also going to talk about the brand new album from King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, Changes. I just want to also note that this is the first week in many weeks that I have not flubbed what our show is going to be about. Oh, huzzah. <laughs> Very, good. <laughs> Very good job. Let's get the uh, theme going here, and uh, we will kick off the episode. Beatles remix? Very excited. I'm very excited. I was not excited, and then I listened to it, and then I was excited. A lot of cool moments. I'm excited a bunch of bums. bunch of bums. <laughs> <laughs> Mike got that reaction this morning. What's that? Mike was like, we were like listening to it on the way to work, and then Mike was like, uh, walked in, he's like, hey man, to some dude, and he was like, you like the Beatles? He's like, no. And Mike's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because it's this guy who calls me Walsh, because I wear this Joe Walsh hat to work. Okay. And what does he call you? Uh, money box. Money I, box. My tool box is like a money box. Yeah. So we're money box and Walsh for <laughs> anyone. But like he goes to see Iron Maiden. Like he's, you know, he just went the other day to see them. He he goes to concerts constantly. So I'm like, oh, he's a music guy. He shouted out Joe Walsh. And I was like, hey, man, do you like the Beatles? And he's like, no. And it was very like dryly just like, no, not really. He's like, Sergeant Peppers is an okay record. Because he's a hard rock guy. He is man. a hard rock Yo, guy. Yo, he is so loud. Can you look, check his levels? <laughs> Michael? I am? Yeah, you blast in my ears. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. It's okay. Talking to the mic. I'm talking to the mic. You're good. Okay. I'm all right. Is that better? better? You were loud. I can't hear. I'm wearing different headphones. So maybe oh, that's like why. Oh, he's like screaming. Hello? <laughs> Can you oh, hear me? Oh, yes. Those yeah. seem soft. That's right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's screwing me up. So wow. yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so legal, uh, sorry, music news. I got caught music up here. Music news. We are up. not a legal podcast. We are not, no. Um, Taylor Swift is uh, going on tour, which is very exciting. She's yes. announced her 2023 tour. She has not toured in five years. Uh, we had really? COVID, so that went through it. Yeah, it's been five years since the Taylor Swift tour. Cool. Um, also, currently, I'd like to note that Taylor Swift holds every single position mm. in the Billboard Top 10, which is a first feat by any single artist ever. So that's really exciting. Taylor Swift is having a massive moment right now, um, and her tour will be next year. And some of the artists uh, that are going to be opening are uh, Haim and Haim, sorry, and Muna, a band we have covered on the show before. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, Phoebe Bridgers is also going to open some shows, and that's going to be from March until August of 2023. So, the Eras tour. Yes, yes. the Eras tour. Uh, mm. And we, let me see here. So, for those of you who are in our area, like say, like the New England, the tri state area, she'll be at Foxborough two nights in a row in uh, May, and then East Rutherford, New Jersey at the MetLife Stadium two nights in a row. Uh, and then Hope at the Lincoln this. Financial Field, Philadelphia, yeah, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, yeah, seventy thousand people. It, this is all—they're all stadiums, man. She's all Garth, stadiums. She's, uh, she's on the she's on the Garth Brooks level. Congratulations, Taylor Swift. Yes, maybe she'll set up a Richter scale at one of her shows, like like our friend Garth did. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, so yeah, the Taylor Swift having the moment. Uh, I'm surprised big. she hasn't toured in five years. Yeah, so yeah. She kind of did those like a more understated folkier things and i think she's like back in the big pop way now so sure. it's like you know yeah. big pop it's the moment she's right. having it mm. yeah interesting well we'll be on the lookout for that see uh i'm sure we'll have there'll be like all kinds of videos and stuff and yeah. uh, and all that so we'll keep an eye out for that once that if rolls we off. know somebody that goes to the foxborough show a show we'll give you a, a show report <laughs> yeah we'll give you a full-on uh minute by minute show report um so my, mine's not really news it is but it also isn't did you guys catch red hot chili peppers doing smells like team spirit I did, and I didn't enjoy. Oh, I d also did not enjoy. They do this thing every time. Um, 
I, their guitar player. It was do like you know his what? name? Uh, John, John Frusciante. I watched it. Yeah, John Frusciante. Every yeah. time he like rejoins the band when they play out live, they always start to like jam like really intensively in the middle of the tour, and also start to like cover very random songs. There's so many from the Stadium Arcadium tour where they like cover just the most random songs. Yeah. How deep is your love? Uh, is one that I remember that actually turned out pretty well. <laughs> it's pretty good. Is it? Yes. You would think it's terrible. God, I'm looking at you. I haven't seen it. It's, I, it's I love good. the song, but I don't know. Oh, they do like a pretty like. How deep is your love? No, he doesn't sing it. The guitar player sings it, but um, so they they always are doing this when he rejoins yeah. the band. So uh, hopefully it comes from you know some more maybe tasteful covers. It, it was it was weird. I'm a hater though. Like I watched 30 You're seconds of it and hater. I went, yeah, this is how they always sound to me, which is like. Crap. The world's best <laughs> sloppy band. Yeah, like, they were. Whatever. It was a bit sloppy. There was there was a lot of people sipping on the haterade in the comments, though. I, at the very least, I saw it, like a, a stereo gum uh, posted it, and uh, I was like going down in the comments. This is just on Instagram, and it was like everyone was just like, "This is trash. <laughs> this is trash. Yeah. The song's been ruined for me." You know, stuff like that. Well, and I don't think you know, uh, it's not breaking news. They've sucked for thirty years. So. Mod- <laughs> modern rock radio has already ruined that song for me. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that you know, there's there's a, a little bit of mine, Jeff. Do you have anything? Yes, some sad news in the world of hip hop music. Uh, rapper Takeoff from Migos was shot and killed mm. uh, late Halloween night outside of a bowling alley in Houston, possibly over a dice game. Um, Twenty eight years old. A group that was kind of the top rap group, I would say, for the past decade. Um, One of the four bearers of trap music. And in my opinion, Takeoff was my favorite of the three. Um, I love his voice and I love his cadence. And um, it's sad because... I don't know. We'll see what the reason was, but I don't. A young dude who gun violence always seems yeah. very pointless. And he had just yeah. put out um, a record with his uncle Quavo, who's also in Migos. They had put out a duo album not even a month ago, so it was kind of like they were on a new path, doing their own thing. And uh, life cut short, and uh, yeah, pretty sad. Uh, if you like Migos, or if you want a, some flavor of Takeoff style. Some songs I would recommend. Uh, he opens up T-shirt. He opens up fight night, uh, and he has a great sixteen bars in a Cardi B song called Drip. Um, mm. He's the second of the two of the three Migos guys to rap with that. Like, check out this sixteen bars. I'll play it at, uh, at the break for you guys, and it's just like, it's great. So yeah. R.I.P. If we're uh, throwing out R.I.P.s yeah. real fast, I'd like to also shout out D.H. Uh, Pelagro from the Dead Kennedys, wow. their second drummer. Um, he was their like longest drummer in the band. He is on the seminal song "Nazi Punks Fuck Off," uh, in "God We Trust" and "Plastic Surgery Disasters." Onward, he is one of the most seminal hardcore drummers of all time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just a real big rest in peace. You could definitely tell the band changed up their sound when he joined and became much more of a hardcore band than they ever were before so um just a legendary drummer check out some of the videos online uh his drumming on uh like uh, california uber allies later on like live shows is much more brutal and intense and that drum fills are very 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 good so and he just died like out. he fell in his house supposedly yeah it's like might a, have had a heart thing and uh, fell or I'm yeah trauma to the head like an uh early accident. 60s i think yeah, yeah. so very Jeez. unexpected yeah. and very sad and one of the greatest hardcore drummers of his era and yeah. really one that stuck with a band for a long time and was definitely when you think of the dead kennedys he was the dead kennedys drummer so very yeah very uh big loss in that and world a, and a black and drummer a black drummer in a predominantly white genre and a lot of like Nazi type of white people right. in, that, in yeah. that world right. who would infiltrate that world. So, a kick-ass figure drummer for since the early '80s, mid '80s with yeah. Dead Kennedys, and also um, you know some of the best like buns ever. Some of the yeah. best hair in rock and roll. He had like the uh, what do they call those? Uh, oh, I can't think of what they're called. But anyway, he had like buns on his head, like rabbit ears. All yeah. the time. Okay. He tied oh yeah. Dr- did he have dreadlocks? Uh, and then like he kind of not really, but he would like have like braided hair, and he yeah. would like oh, uh, gotcha, bun gotcha. them up on knots. the top. Yeah, yeah. like two yeah. knots, and they look like bunny ears. So yeah, uh, some of the best hair in rock and roll too. I'd like to point out. Yeah. Uh, to piggyback on the R.I.P. train, um, contrary to popular belief, Jerry Lee Lewis is dead. 
Oh, you're gonna you're Everybody gonna rest in peace, country. that old that old terrible man yeah, on our show. Real quick, hey Jerry Lee Lewis. I know what I'm saying. No, this is the thing that I wanted to talk about, though, that I thought was hilarious, was the fact that, like, a week before Jerry Lee Lewis died, the, uh, there was a bunch of, like, media outlets that were like, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis isn't dead. He's still alive. Like, there were rumors that Jerry Lee Lewis was dead, and they published all these articles that was like, no, he's still alive. And then, like, a week later, he dies. And it's just the irony of the fact that, like, everybody thought he was already dead. Everybody came out and was like, no, he's not dead. And then he dies <laughs> like a week later. I just thought that was kind of, you know, uh, kind of ironic. Jerry Lee Lewis, some great early rock and roll tunes. One of the worst people in the history yeah. of rock and roll. Alleged murderer. Alleged and murderer, yeah. I've been telling Mike that for like the past and week. Every time we bring it up. Listen, man. She, she married his. Yes. She was a first cousin, first remove. It's no big deal. It's no, it's no big deal. Listen, a 13-year-old has the right to choose... <laughs> Oh man. So gross, dude. Different times? Different times? Nah. It was a different time. It was the early eighties. <laughs> no, it, listen, if people were outraged in the early sixties about it, it was gross then. Yeah, I don't know. Jerry Lee yeah, like that's the thing, man. Jerry uh, Lee Lewis. If we're gonna know, if we're gonna shout out like uh, uh a Jerry Lee Lewis recording, Jerry Lee Lewis live at the Star Club, nineteen sixty five, Hamburg, Germany is one of the best live recordings. Don't ever. stream it so his estate gets no money. Yes. <laughs> Please. <laughs> It needs to go through the it needs to go to the dowry that uh, he was indebted to to his thirteen year old oh, cousin. Man. A fucking what maniac. a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> rest in rest in shit. Rot in pieces, Rot in you pieces, dirty dog. You old um, old creep. In in business news, uh Huey Lewis and the News <laughs> oh, I saw that. sold their catalog from their debut in nineteen eighty until uh their stuff from nineteen ninety four to primary wave music for about 20 million dollars um huey lewis who unfortunately suffers from many years disease which is like a, a really bad genetic um inner ear problem it's like tinnitus and all these complications uh he had to stop playing music essentially like six years ago i believe and uh so yeah old guy collecting some money in retirement good for him yeah Collect your money. Huey. I love Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis like was the hottest band in America for like a year and a half in the early eighties, and then never again. But we loved them. Hip to be square. I still love. It's em. hip to be square. Uh, Mike, I have some music news for you. Okay, let's uh, hear it. Mariah Carey gets an early gift, and the "All I Want for Christmas" lawsuit is dropped. Oh, that is also legal news. You forgot your gavel. It's it's lawsuit. Oh, that is legal news. I'm so oh. sorry, guys. I had legal news. Congratulations to the Queen of Christmas. Order in the court. So good Order for her. In the court. If you want to know what we're talking about, uh, you need to listen to our podcast because we covered it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Um, I'd like to talk about just like as a fun thing. Did you guys uh, happen to see some like of our favorite, say musicians uh, slash celebrities, but musicians Halloween costumes this year? There were some fun ones. Lizzo. I did not. Well, Lizzo dressed Lizzo's as Marge one. Simpson. All I saw and was Miss Piggy. She did like five. Yes, yeah, she did like oh, five did costumes. She, she did yeah. Miss Piggy oh. too. That was so. the only one I saw. Uh, James Hetfield dressed as Eddie Munson from Stranger I Things. I saw more than I thought because I saw that one too. Oh, I, everybody dressed like Machine that Gun guy. Kelly dressed up as Tommy Lee. Uh, That's not fair. What a, Megan what a stretch. Well, he yeah. already did that. Yeah, I know. In the movie. Um, oh, there was another one. Is that the light? Harry Please. Styles. Oh, yeah. Uh, he did the Grease thing, right? Danny's. Danny Zuko. With us. Sandy. <laughs> Can you. I piggyback off your Harry Styles Halloween costume <laughs> yeah, real fast? Please. Did oh, well, oh, well, oh, well, oh, Did you Sorry. see that he uh, registered like 58,000 voters? No way. Through like a contest? Harry Styles? Yeah. They he were, rocked like, the vote. But they but they were all they're all they're all registered to vote in the United Kingdom now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like the plan backfired. American voters. No, we don't so, have a prime minister um, here. What the fuck is he talking about? So he registered. How many voters was it? <laughs> it was 54,000 voters. They're all 12 to 15-year-olds. So <laughs> no, their votes count. <laughs> well, you had to register to vote to sign up for this contest. So it had to like okay. bring you through. Oh, it was through oh, like, oh. A, a company oh. and a website. Yeah. So like you got uh, tickets to this Harry, uh, Harry Styles Halloween show, and they flew you out and all this stuff. Yeah. So 
they uh, held that thing, and he was like, let's do this, uh, sign up to register to vote, and he got 54,000 people to register to vote. So oh, congratulations. That's a good. Plus, what a good not-American citizen doing more for American America politics. than some American citizens do. <laughs> vote for Herschel Walker. <laughs> Make a change possible. <laughs> Uh, also, uh, this has nothing to do with music, but did you guys see how horrible Heidi Klum looked as that giant worm? Oh my god, she music. looks so crazy. I uh, know, posed, I know. I just, she posed, I she's married to a musician. We'll slide it she in. She was we married pick, to pick about, yeah, No, Ta- she's married to a musician now. Who's yeah, Tommy Collitz. To? Yeah, from the German band uh, Tokyo Hotel. Is that what they're called? I think so. Yeah. I'm not sure. He huge was like, band in if Germany. I haven't heard of the band, it doesn't go. No, like, huge band. They're the biggest band in Germany. Are they? Yeah. Well, good for Germany. David Hasselhoff. In it's Rammstein, Rammstein, oh, Rammstein. God. Okay, get it right. Uh, also, yeah, uh, her did a fantastic concert at Foxborough Stadium. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We have some friends that went to that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Heidi Klum as a giant worm was absolutely fucking terrifying. She said it, it was took, very funny. Oh my though. god, it, she was like lying on the ground doing an interview. Did you see that? Yeah, she like, looked. I just wanted to be something. She different. looked like the worm from James and the Giant Peach. She looked <laughs> yeah, so right, realistic. Right, right. It was so bad. Oh, so disturbing. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, that's, let's. That has been your. That's our music news. That has oh, been your music news. Real quick, before we, uh, we before we sign off, shout out to Michael Sline, Sline and the Family Stoned, Fatal Film, Jeff's boy, uh, Mikey Winslow. Winslow, thank you from Fatal Matt Film. Uh, the Dave Bards Freeberg. of Gungi Womp, uh, Cubwise. I can't remember his name. Bards of Gungi The Bards of Gungi Womp. <laughs> Jeff was, Butler. It what was awesome. A fun time. They were like an old timey <laughs> band, and they played some sea shanties. They played yeah. the Game of what Thrones do do theme song. Tyler, what Irish so, folk stuff. Yeah, yeah, and shout out to the Wolf Pack too for coming out on that Halloween <laughs> show and just I know some howling guys, relentlessly, howling the entire night. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Michael Sline, uh, Sline and the Family Stoned. Definitely check them out. We sing their praises all the time on this podcast, but we saw them play in Killer Set, as always, um, and uh, all our love to them. Yeah, so check out all those bands, rewind it, and listen to what we said again, and go check them out. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Moving on. Moving on. Luke, would you like to usher us in to our our next segment? What segment are we doing? I thought we were doing... Right there, those four fucking okay. Those so, four, as in the words of Quincy Jones, those four non-musician motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> so, here we go. We are going to talk about uh, the Beatles' new remix of Revolver. It is done by Giles Martin. Is that correct? Giles, but yes, yes, Giles. Thank you for the pronunciation. He remixed this album with brand new technology that was made during the Let It Be project. Mm. And shout out to Peter Jackson. Uh, let be get back. Get back. Sure, sorry. Sure. During the uh, get back movie project, which allowed him to take previously mixed down tracks and separate them so he could remix them into a new uh, stereo mix. So that would mean he was able to take the snare drum and isolate the snare drum and not have any guitar mixed into it like it had previously had been. This technology, like I said, is brand new. And. We have a new stereo mix. We have the extras that come on the box set, which are very fascinating. New takes on Rain and Yellow Submarine and And Your Bird Can Sing. Mm. All this fun stuff that is coming out now that you get to really deep dive into. Mm. Some of it we've heard before. Some of it we're hearing for the first time. Uh, it blew my mind on a couple things. The stereo mix is pretty cool. Mono mixes of everything, too. Yep, mono yes. mixes as well. Yeah, On the I, Super Deluxe box, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I love how in the bonus tracks you get sort of the uh, the creative process for certain songs, like how they take Yellow Submarine from what sounds like kind of like a folky-type song to sort of this, you know, goofy, poppy sort of like, you know, and then Ringo takes over. Originally it was sung by John Lennon. Uh, I love that stuff. Um, you know, there's just this... this there's a whole bunch of interesting stuff in the way that, you know, I was telling Luke on the drive this morning, you know, we were talking about like the older Beatles stereo mixes. And I remember having a car where the, the yeah, right. And I remember one of my cars had at one point, like I had like blown the speakers just from playing music so loud. And the front left driver's side speaker was crappy. It was a little bit too quiet. And then listening to the Beatles in stereo in that car was, it sucked because it was like, you Drums only, and backing vocals. Right, and then you heard just a little bit of like the reverberation from yeah. the lead vocal, which was just pinned onto the left side, you know? Where this recording, I felt like things were a bit more focused, and 
things were prioritized in, in a different sort of way. Well, can I give you a quote from uh, Giles Martin here? Sure. Uh, I can take off the guitar, I can take off the bass, and then I can even separate the snare drum and the kick drum as well. And they sound like the snare and the kick drum. There's no hint of guitar in there, even though they'd been baked together on the master tape. And I don't know how it's done. It's like I'm. Th- it's like they're giving me a cake, and they're giving me flour, eggs, and milk, and sugar. So he's like, they're right. giving him all the ingredients to rebake this cake that is this Beatles record. Um, songs that I thought were really cool on the remix were um, the end song, Tomorrow Never Knows. That song had a really cool remix because the drums are now like really centered mm-hmm. on you, and the guitar solos are kind of co- like when it car- the guitar comes like and doing that thing it goes like the bottom to up to the bottom the vocal you can really get that um leslie effect yeah. speaker because it's really whipping around your head now and all the effects are also doing that the mm. seagull noises so it's really creating like a whirlwind texture that the original does have but this is just creates like a cyclone that you kind of never heard before mm. works well I really like that one. Um, again, I'm bumping up a track. Gotta get you into my life. The separation of the horns on that track is mind-blowing. You've never heard it before like that because you've only heard it compressed down and then compressed down. The separation of all these horns, full of life, beautiful. Bass sound is thumping like you've never heard. And I believe that song is a 1,000% better. Oh, yeah. One song um, I thought didn't work as well <laughs> is I'm Only Sleeping. You can hear... I'm Only Sleeping originally comes with this kind of like foggy, hazy audio gunk on it that works well on the song because the song's about sleeping. And now it's a much cleaner tune tone on the whole track and that whole gunk is like thrown right off of it. And the vocals are better. You can hear everything better. Also, I never knew Paul McCartney yawned before the instrumental break in that song because it was so cluttered before. He was like, (sighs) But now it's very clear. You can hear it. Mm. So um, I like the gunk. I'm very used to the gunk. Uh, so I thought it was pretty gunky still. Y- it was gunky yeah. still, but it was less. Yeah, right, right. Gunky. And, yeah. I, and when you're used to it, you're like, oh, like you know what I mean. You could hear it a little. Mm. And then uh, another one I didn't like. I didn't like the separation on Taxman. It sound that one sounded like you could tell they used to be all together and now they were apart. Like I felt like some of the things didn't reverberate all the way like they should have and i also thought the symbols during like the verses were like or like anytime the symbols they hung forever they always do in that song and it's great when it's buried kind of more in a mix but having it more in the middle this hang in the air forever when he hits the crashes and then they're just really loud um so yeah. i didn't really uh, love see that. I, the cowbell a super loud cowbell yeah, yeah, yeah cowbell i, I came like in. that because yeah. that song is such a like it's supposed to be so yeah a B like between the guitars. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, Giles is the son of their original producer George Martin, and Giles has overseen all of these new remixes in the past decade. Um, and I think it's great. I think we're used to that 1987 CD version of the mixing where everything is hard right and left, um, and my brain kind of like still memorized the songs like that. Like I'm yeah. expecting to hear certain things certain places. Um, but this is just like more vivid, more alive, um, bigger scope, more depth. Um, overall, like you know, this is in the top three at all times of Beatles uh, Beatles albums for me. Um, this is their seventh album. This is like right in the middle of the pack. This is the album that predates, uh, precedes um, Sgt. Pepper's, and this is like the real to me the real transition album because it's in my opinion, the best of them as like a rock band, mm-hmm. but it also has Eleanor Rigby with the orchestral stuff. It has got to get you in my life with all the horn stuff. It has tomorrow never knows, which is the final track. And it's like, this is where we're going yeah, on the right, next right. thing. Like this is where, where we're headed. Um, yeah. I, uh, I just really enjoyed this. I liked a lot of those uh, unreleased little tidbits, rehearsal things. Um, if we're going to talk about some ones that we really enjoyed, I really liked the, um, I liked the version, I think it's listed as version two of And Your Bird Can Sing. And the song sounds like a bird's song, the mm. band The Birds, where the bass is like, and I like the take after that where they're giggling, trying to record the 
trying to record the vocals. Because <laughs> yeah. um, it just shows, just like that Get Back documentary, like these weren't self-serious guys who were like Mount Rushmore of music. Like these are still dudes in a band making albums. They're just um, some blokes from, yeah. from England. I like that like minute and a half of Love You Too of George Martin, I'm uh, sorry, George Harrison just practicing the sitar. And you can hear him like, like in between, <laughs> yeah. like trying to get down. It sounds awesome. It's like a minute and a half of it. Um, and I really like the, uh, is it, uh, I think it's I'm Always Sleeping. I'm oh. only sleeping. The rehearsal where it's all the marim, marim, uh, vibraphone yeah, stuff. Trying it with like mm. And I'm like, shit, first. this this would be awesome if that song was like that. <laughs> like, we're used to that, where it's all like, and all the tape effects and stuff. But if it was just like this cool, dark, like, vibraphone back, yeah. like, it sounds awesome. And it's the heavy tremolo on mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. Very cool. Great yeah. band, great album, man. And this mix is like, it's like all the other super deluxe mixes. They're all so much better than anything that's been out there. It's yeah, like, it's cool to hear yeah. the drums in the center on like a lot of the stuff. Like some yeah. stuff, like I said, it's only because like you said before, your ears are so used to hearing something, you're just like, you get a yeah. little cranky. But other stuff, you're like, oh my god, this is wonderful. And this was originally yeah. done, like re- released and made to be mono. So I think the mono mixes are really worth checking out because that's what the band on on this album they oversaw the mono mix and then they let George Martin do whatever he wanted with the stereo mix back in the sixties. So the mono mix is like what their true vision is. I think the stereo mix is better because it's more imaginative and stuff, but the mono mixes are great, man. These are great songs. Yeah. Excellent album. I did love tax man. Finally, we have tax man. I think it was take 11, uh, which is also got a bit on of money, got a bit of money, anybody got a bit of money. Oh, they sure. do that kind of yeah. thing. Cause on like the anthology album as well, but right. now at least here with the revolver set. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing too. Like where I remember when you had, you let me borrow that CD. I think when Jade and I first got together, I borrowed that CD and, um, you know, I really wasn't a huge Beatles guy, you know, and Luke was, and uh, two of the big C- two of the, C- of the CDs of the many that I borrowed from him initially were was the Beatles anthology, and uh, All Things Must Pass, the George Harrison album, and I listened to that version of Taxman, and I was like, oh, this is so great because I didn't really know any better than you know, like I really wasn't really hip to the Beatles, and I remember singing it to Luke, and he's like, what are you like, what are you talking about, man? Like that's not you know, and I was like, yeah, they sing that thing, and then I listened to it on this, and I was like, oh, it's not there, so. I, th- I feel like cutting room floor, you know, so I feel like it's nice, a nice sort of like circle back around to kind of like put that on the reverb. Like it's a nice home for uh, for that song. Yeah. In that way on the box set, you know, because it's just it was it was the my first time like hearing that song. Like I'm sure I had heard that song before, but like really consciously being like, I am going to listen to the Beatles now. You know what I mean? In that sense. I mean, that's, you know, 12, 10, 11 years ago, whatever that is. Um, But yeah, and I liked along with that you know um i like dr robert i felt like the uh, the stereo the version song on the record yeah yes it's so it's, bad it's, it's, it's the not worst so one. bad i, I went not. into it thinking that it's my least favorite song yo i'm just being for real like yellow it's yellow submarine but i also, love yellow get submarine the fuck out of yeah here. get the fuck out i of love like, yellow submarine whatever. yeah i'm not i i like i like the i like john lennon's demo version of yellow submarine more I see. I don't. I like Yellow Submarine yeah. because where he's it's, like doing that fast, folky right. strum. It thing is what it is. It. So it has. To, it is. What, I also don't like the. I shouldn't say don't like. Another of my least favorite tracks is the third Harrison song. This this is like. I think this is the only Beatles album that that George got three songs on. Yeah. Because I think on mm, Sgt. Yeah. Pepper's he only has one song. Right. Sgt. Pepper's. But it's a third one. What's it called? It's like the third track from the end or second. Oh, track. I want to tell you. I just don't like it. With yeah. all the minor, 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 minor piano things. Yeah. And like, it's like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, she said, she uh, said, see, I think I, is really I cool. Her. I like I the. Love her. Yeah. I yeah. see. For me, it's just Dr. Robert. <laughs> it sounds so like old Beatles where it could yeah. be like on rubber soul or before. So like, I'm like, ah, you gotta, I know it's yeah. the content. Isn't about that. It's more. Yeah. I think it's this mix. Cause I, I have never loved that song. And when I heard this new mix, I was like, Oh, I actually like this song. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I felt that way too. <laughs> I, at, at least with this mix, I felt, cause I did a B them, you know, I went back. What I did was I went back to the, I think it's the 2009, right. uh, stereo remix remaster or whatever. And I did a B them behind your head. I did find, I did find that uh, that song specifically 
you know, they kind of breathed a little bit new life in there. One thing I will say, too, that's all over this <clears throat> that I think maybe it's there, but maybe it's because it's this new 2022 uh, stereo remaster is fucking A, man. The bass parts on this record, all, every single song is just... Well, let's ta- talk about what <laughs> some of the best bass playing on this record, which is... Ta- I mean, ta- Taxman to start. Yeah, I know. The, the, two, the take of Rain. So Rain oh, take right, five. Right. Which is like yeah. the they started getting in the habit of just being like, what happens if you slow the tape down? Yeah. So they would start tape delaying everything. And Rain is this beautiful song with this intricate bass part, one of the best drum parts the Beatles ever recorded. And when you listen to it fast, you miss almost all of it because it's going so fast. It sounds cool. But then when you hear the final take of Rain and it's slowed and they sung the vocals to the slow track, it's like, what is going on? Right. I think the faster version is better. It's cool. I like because less I gooey. Really like, like the bass plan of the yeah, faster version. I really like the fast version. To hear them transform. I wish they had on the fast one too. They didn't put vocals. You got to provide your own. Yes. Yeah. But to hear them tra- the, use that and then be like, okay, now we're gonna yeah, paint. Pitch shift it all down. Boom, yeah. and now it's like a collage of something like you've yeah. never ever heard before, or really kind of since rain sounds like rain. If you make us, you know what I mean. Right. This so, is the bass tone, like. To me, it's the it's it's um, not tax man. It's she said she said bass tone yeah. that big sound. That's so like, good. It's the best man. It's Paul so McCartney. good. Yeah, and people sleep on Paul McCartney as a bass player. I feel like like you not know it's no, no definitely not us. We we give him his his rightful due. But you know what I'm saying? Like the conversations, like the John Entz whistles and the Jack Bruce's and the John Paul Joneses. Which of course, yes, they're great bass players. But don't get it twisted, man. Sir Paul McCartney. Yeah, McCartney does so much more lead guitar than people realize. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, we were talking about that. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier tax today. Man solo. Yep. Right. Uh, yeah. A lot of the time, too. Uh, read uh, Jeff Emmerich's book uh, because oh, no. it's uh, so amazing. Engineer of yeah. all their stuff. He really uh, – this is like the only – this is like the record he goes into detail about most because mm. you could tell there's the ones he worked on the most. And they're, all that stuff, when they get into like the nitty-gritty of this record, mm. he's – He's the bass playing. It's mm. Paul McCartney. They didn't have patience for George Harrison to get as creative as the rest of them, so Paul would just grab things and start, you know. So right. George really doesn't play a lot of lead guitar and early Beatles stuff that people don't really realize. So right. very interesting. Yeah, um, my f- my favorite Beatles album cover, Klaus Vormann. Yes, who is a oh. longtime bass player for Klaus. pretty much all these guys solo stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, shout out the great Klaus. cover. Um, where where does this uh, line up in your like Beatles? Oh, it used to be like not very like ranked in my mm-hmm. selection of because it was just not album I had or like was that like with it. Um, but after reading that book, I really got sunken into this record because it was so immersive to read about the making mm-hmm. of it. And I would probably say this is like my second or third favorite Beatles record yeah. now. So. I'd say it's right about there, competing with first or second Beatles record, possibly. Yeah, I would say Eileen, like, 70% of the time, Abbey Road is number one. Mm. 20% of the time, Revolver's number one. 10% of the time, Sgt. Pepper's number one. Yeah. Abbey so Road. this is a st- always a strong <sighs> two. To I love it so much, but it's just got the biggest stinking turd on it that I really hate. Which one? Octopus's Garden? No. Maxwell. <laughs> Thank you. My favorite song. Oh, you don't like that Have song? Have some respect for I what's his name. I love that song. Malcolm, what was the guy's name? Everybody in that band. You know the guy who's like, everybody's face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Brody. Malcolm, I think. Yeah. Everybody in that band hated that song except Paul McCartney. I'm with everybody in the band. We stand with you, Paul. Joan was quizzical, mighty metaphysical. Yes, Revolver, check it out. You know. The Beatles, they're a pretty good up-and-coming band you should listen to. <laughs> that Paul McCartney's going to blow up one of these days, one I'll tell you days. what. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with yeah. some more goody goodness. We'll be right back. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hofner Guitars. I have here the Hofner Shorty. It is a full-scale, travel-sized guitar. You can find this and all of their products at HofnerGuitars.com. <laughs> All right, welcome back, everybody, to Get in the Garage. We're the music podcast. For music lovers. On to our next segment, which I am sure uh, Jeffrey is excited about. Uh, it's one of his favorite bands. Jeff, would you like to uh, usher us into this uh, 
exciting new reissue that's about yes. to happen. Um, so and we, are, we are talking about the 50th anniversary of Steely Dan's debut album, Can't Buy a Thrill. It came out in November of 1972, and the band is doing these new vinyl mixes that are coming out starting now and for the next couple months. Uh, this album is the only Steely Dan album to feature the band as six members. Um, that is lead singer and keyboard player Donald Fagan, Walter Becker, the bass player. The two of them write all the songs. Um, another vocalist, David Palmer, drummer Jim Hodder, guitarist Denny Dias, and guitarist Jeff Skunk Baxter. Nuclear uh, scientist, yep. I believe. Yes. Um, this album I'm is... not joking. No, not I joking. Know, he works for the Department of Defense. <laughs> Um, as a consultant, our fate is in this man's yes. hands. In <laughs> this, in this walrus mustachioed, beret wearing, beret wearing. Um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> debut album. Um, little small history of the band. Uh, Donald Fagan, Walter Becker started as songwriters. Um, they went to c- they met each other at college at Bard College in New York, and they went to be songwriters at the Brill Building in New York City. And they got some songs on some people's albums. Uh, Barbara Streisand, uh, notably. Uh, who's that other guy? Man, uh, he sings Mandy. Oh, Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow. I think they did a song or two for him. Um, <laughs> That's maybe, why I looked at maybe, you. I was maybe like Neil Diamond. Yeah, but like that whole world of like that soft rock, mm. late '60s stuff. And they found that their music was a little too obtuse. Oh, sorry. I just turned. <laughs> you threw some reverb on um, it. <laughs> what is going on? I don't know what happened. There and, we go. There we and go. So <laughs> Jesus. No, it's still on a double. I, know, I don't know what's happening. Um, just keep going. Anyway. I'll, I'll tidy it up here. So they uh, were songwriters, but they w- were told they could do better on their own, like performing their own songs. So they put a band to make their music and... Um, this is the result. It's a 40-minute album. It's, I think, 10 tracks. It has hits like Reeling of the Years, like Do It Again, big hits. Like out of the 10 Steely Dan songs people know on the radio, those are like two of the biggest ones. And uh, I'd say Dirty Work has become Oh, sure, Dirty Work, yep. Probably like a later kind of hit. Yeah. It's probably like an OAR back in the day, but oh, yeah. now with the Dan resurgence, I hear Dirty Work yeah. all the time. Yeah, so. un, un, I like Dirty Work, but unfortunately, I do put in this like second category because it's David Palmer singing lead vocals. He's a good singer, but also he was in the band officially for a year and a right, half. Right, so, so let's g- kind of get to that point. Yep. There is the forming of the Steely Dan band, and the presence of the other singer is really just because Donald Fagan didn't have the confidence to sing mm-hmm. live in concert. And so you kind of get this weird fragmented Steely Dan album where Donald Fagan is the real voice of the band in the way that Bob Dylan sings a song the way Bob Dylan sings it. And Donald Fagan sings his songs the way he sings them. And the personality and strangeness of his voice also reflect the personality and strangeness of his lyrics. Um, And the other singer is just not really doing it like Dirty Work could sounds like it almost could be any band. Yeah. Right? Like And Brooklyn, he sings lead on Brooklyn. Which is Which is another. It sounds so like that, every band. It sounds like every band, so, but even like Brooklyn though, mm-hmm. that song sounds more like a the Steely Dan vibe where mm-hmm. if Donald Fagan sings it, you're like, "Oh, yeah, 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 yeah because he's talking about his Nate. It gets more yeah. weird in the inflections. When he sings it, he's just like, "I'm singing a song." And yeah. you're like, "Okay, that's nice." And the, mm-hmm. and they have a third lead singer on this album too because drummer Jim Hodder is the lead vocalist on the song Midnight Cruiser. Which is... So it sounds very much more like a group project album, like later bands, Jeff Skunk Baxter joined, um, Doobie Brothers, where it's a lot of different singers. Um, Chicago had a couple different singers. Like, a lot of bands that era had that thing where it's like, well, we have three of us that sing. Um, So this is just, yeah, it's kind of an outlier album in that way. Uh, Midnight Cruiser as well is also like a weird like dud on the album. Like the rest of the songs for me are like pretty passable, but Midnight Cruiser, you could tell you're like, oh, that one's more like a, well, you could sing a song, man, like kind of thing, which is like, it works, but um, it, you know, it kind of doesn't. But um, where we're talking about like, where does Steely Dan get his greatness? Do it again is 
the album opener, it autumn it for me it just transports me to like a desert world. It's got yeah. that like weird push pull beat in the like right the guero yeah. and yeah going yeah, back and all forth. The percussion. And uh the lyrics are really Steely Dan mm. to the max are about a loser, which is mm. like every Steely Dan song is about some kind of loser or downtrodden individual in society. And I really love Do It Again. When I first got into Steely Dan, that's the first album I got because I just had it mm. from some someone like gave it to me in the pile. Uh, and that track trans instantly. I was like, oh, I know this song first yeah. of all, and second of all, I love this song. And what do you feel about the other big single, Reeling in the Years? Like the other huge one that gets played on rock radio every day. I mean, I love that song. Mm. It's it's such a kick-ass song. Um, it's Elliot Randall on lead guitar because they did have some session guys play on this. And it's like, uh, famously, it's Jimmy Jimmy Page's favorite guitar solo of all time. It's kind of like a three-part guitar solo. Yeah. It's, um, it's a great song. It sounds like, you know, a lot of people think it's a, a Thin Lizzy song because it has that like tripping over your own tongue too many words in each line. Yeah, kind of right, lyrics. right. Also, the harmonized guitar parts, right. which is right. a big outlier. Yeah, it's, right. Yeah, it's da, a da, badass da, song, da, and da, 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 it's da, it da, sounds da, great da, live. Da, it sounds da, great on this album. Um, but yeah, as far as like songs that to me are like, oh, this is a through point that this band will continue to like go over. Do it again because it's it's pretty minimal. It's funky. It's kind of based on the blues um, with some strangers on it. Um, fire in the hole which is kind of like sounds like a more bitter like loser version of like an elton john song because it's just kind of heavy piano with very minimal everything else um but yeah this is this is an outlier album it sounds a lot like what music sounded like in 1972 like yeah those yeah. like the lead vocals you have someone singing a third above and someone singing a, f a fourth under on like every chorus on this yeah, whole album yeah. <clears throat> yeah for me i like i i come to the table i feel like these are there, is it still echoey yeah, it's yeah still i can't it. figure you it out doubler on uh so yeah i, I don't know what's going don't on don't even worry it's about it anyways um yeah like so i'm i'm probably the least well versed when it comes to the steely dan universe and this was probably this is like the first one that I, I have given, like, a real genuine try. I don't know what it is about Steely Dan. I just, like... Mike just doesn't like guitar players. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I'm a guitar player. Anyway, the point being, um, I did enjoy some tracks yeah. on this uh, on this album. Uh, let me just pull up what I liked here. Um, I liked Only a Fool Would Say That. That was, like, mm -hmm. cool. It has, like, that bossa nova-ish kind of jazzy sort yeah, of vibe to it. Yeah, Again, like, I was also <laughs> reminiscent of like kind of later Steely Dan yeah. too, like what and it's Donald Fagan. You're like, oh yeah, that's yeah. that's what I came yeah. here for. Uh, I mean, Dirty Work, I'd already heard that. Mm. Do it again, I'd already heard that. Um, you know, of course, Reeling in the Years, I'd already heard that. Uh, I really enjoyed the song Kings is the third track on right. the album. I like that song a lot. Great too. guitar play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think that's Elliot Randall too, who, just, also, who does. Yeah, there's like the these years. weird sort of yeah. like half steppy, like yeah, and yeah. like descending yeah. and descending lines and stuff like that. That I just, oh, I loved it so much, man. Yeah. It was so much fun. Uh, and then uh, Change of the Guard, I thought was really cool. You know, I, I'm a sucker for a good tambourine player, and there's some good tambourine I happening think, on that track. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's pretty that's consistent. Victor, Victor just, Feldman, who's like a. He was like a session guy. He played on, I think, every Steely Dan album in the 70s. Mm. And he was always, yeah, like maracas, xylophone, vibraphone, congas, tambourine. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I feel like the other thing about this record, too, is if you are more of a fan of like the classic rock, more yeah. like the Neil Young records of that era, the Crosby, Stills, and yeah. Nash yes. vibe, yes. this record is your record. Yes. Like, don't down it. This record is great yes. for what that is. It's just not indicative of like their masterpiece Asia, which mm -hmm. is much different and yeah. refined in such a unique way unto mm -hmm. themselves being then by that point the real Steely Dan, which is, you know, Walter Becker and Donald Fagan. Mm -hmm. That's the band. So when you get to that record, you're like, oh, yeah, that's these two weirdos. Right. This is more of a. Let's, I'm this is rock and roll. Yeah, we're album, trying yeah. to be a band, like a right, real right. band, and they just weren't those guys. They never were. And mm. this is a great, uh, interesting take on like what that style of band is with those mm. two guys in it. 
and it's a great record at that, but it's not the, you know. Yeah, what they became known for later is like very funky, strange jazz inflected music, and this has almost no funk on it. It has very little jazz flourishes other than like s- some chord structures of songs going to some strange places. But yeah, these first two albums are like, we're a rock and roll band. And this isn't what they later became, which is like two mad scientists with 40 different session musicians making like immaculate music. Right. This is very, this is loose. This is like dad rock. This is, this is classic AOR, AM radio. Like, so yeah. let me ask you guys a question then as say the novice in uh, as far as Steely Dan goes. Yep. If somebody was coming up to you and says, hey, I want to get into Steely Dan, would this be the no. first record you would recommend? Asia. No. Asia would be the first one? Yeah, because it's like, it, it's got the big hit peg on it. And it has Deacon Blues, which is a big hit. Yeah, and it's everything Steely Dan does Josie well. was a big hit. That's what I'm saying. And then second, I would go Katie Lied, but you would probably disagree. Um, it depends. I mean, it depends. I think... For somebody who's like scared of the word jazz, this might be the one you <laughs> you recommend, <laughs> and you kind of work because like you work through the discography, and it is natural progressions, album to album to album. It and does ramp you can up, grow and with it, right? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I would probably do Peg because it's it has the most variety and it's like the highest quality. My favorite is the darkest album, which is the Royal Scam. So I probably wouldn't recommend that because it's. It's dark. It's kind of grim and kind of scary, funky. Mm. Um, Fright funk, Yeah, you will. I think the best version of what they did on this album is Katie Lied. Because Katie Lied mm. is still very... A rock band. Right, right. It's still... Which is the fourth album. That's what I played for right. him this morning. It has Black Friday on it, which is yeah. like, that's a guitar song Bad all day. Bad Sneakers. Is a rock song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Wu. Right. And then right. like... Uh, uh, Daddy Don't Go, right. that song is, I, that's yeah. not the name of it, but that tune's like a rock right. tune. So that's, that's probably where the I one would I would start. start because it's all okay. very. That or Asia. Those are the two. Really, I start with Asia records. because Asia does kind of bring you into all directions. But if you are afraid of jazz, <laughs> this is the one maybe. <laughs> this maybe is the you one. Could, maybe yeah. you could start with this one. It's, to me, the most, like, nondescript. It's kind of, I don't want to say generic because it's a lot of great songs and it's well done. Um, but out of all, out of their whole canon, this is the most generic in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. So where would it rank for you guys then last. in terms of, yeah, last. even including the two new ones in the two thousands? For me, this is my least favorite. But also, I love Steely Dan, and like this is a this is a strong eight point five for me. Like, yeah, there's maybe two songs that I go, yeah. but for the most part, it's forty minutes. Yeah, it's not, Throw this it's bitch not super on. long. Yeah, just, no. and it's so much variety. It actually is fun. Like all Steel Dan albums, there's so much variety. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Terrible album cover, self-admitted, <laughs> by the way. A, an yeah. excellent album cover. Luke just doesn't like giant lips the eating band. rainbow gummy worms standing in front of hookers. Again, like I said, And strong air. strong men holding children. Or, I don't yeah, know. you have like a, a man and like a weird <laughs> child drawing thing. Looks like. You have lips you know, and a gummy worm. All that stuff. It's that banana peel. Oh, how about, I didn't even realize this is the yellow is a dress because see this woman's foot kicked out. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> so the whole yellow is a dress. It's one of the worst. Record I, I like the banana peels. It, so here's my thing. Can't buy a thrill, right? Are these all life's life's thrills then? Uh, this is, here's lips and gummy worms. And here's can't buy and a thrill peels. in the world of Steely Dan. The focal yeah. point. Right. Prostitution and seediness and gr- the gross underbelly of humanity. That's what they were interested in. That's what 90% of their music is about. Yeah. Like, do it again. The album opener is, in my opinion, like the coolest, the jazziest, the funkiest of this whole album. It's an album. I mean, it's a song about being a loser who's like getting run out of town in Las Vegas mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. and whose like wife is cheating on them and all that. Like, yeah. With a badass electric sitar solo and <laughs> spooky or like is it a Yamaha. sitar or is it that Vox that has the right? Uh, it's the Dan Electro. Oh, the Dan Electro. Coral. Sorry, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Denny Dias. Yeah, for all you. Guitar and then you got the spooky. You got the the Yamaha organ that had like a. It was like a ribbon band where you could hold your finger and go like. So the whole beginning mm. of the solo is like. Yeah. Killer. 
Killer. So well, yeah, my least my least favorite, but a strong eight point five, and a great a great debut album from yeah. a band that went on to do you know a ton of great music. Do we know when this is going to be released? Uh, the just the the actual box set because I, I know think it's November fifth was possibly oh a date. November fourth fourth. There okay. we go. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. So yeah, keep an yeah. eye out for that. Hundred eighty gram black vinyl. You can you buy go. a thrill. Yeah, if you want to get the like crazy high def, it's like two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh right, because you were saying how the like Neil mo- Young, mo-fi. the Neil Young quality. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey Neil Young, Flack completely lost this. Hey Neil Young, <laughs> we love you. We love you. All right, uh, let's move on yep. to yes. our new album of the week. Sure. I can, uh, I can intro this one. Let's go for it, Luca. This is the last release from King Gizzard in the Lizard Wizard this month. They've released three records. The last the one this month. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. In the month of October. It's one of them is month. about lava and a lot of other stuff. <laughs> one of them is about jeans. This one's called? Jeans, lava, gold I think jacket, the other one has something jacket. to do with jeans. Laminated right? denim. See? <laughs> so um, this one is called? You had me at denim. Yeah. This one is about called Changes. Mm-hmm. The thing with this record, the last record, uh, the lava one, uh, was based on musical modes. This one is based on musical key changes. Uh, if I can give a quote from lead singer Stu McKenzie, each song has a handful of chords, simple, major, minor chords. Instead of being based in a key and moving around chords related to that key, every time we change to a chord, the whole key changes. If anyone's familiar with John Coltrane's Giant Steps, it's that. So this record is based around changing the key every time you change a chord. That is played out in the record's title track changes a 13 minute opus to that idea Mm. what did you guys think of this record uh i enjoyed it i thought it was um i thought it was a well-paced record they give you like they give you the fast slow they give you the loud soft they give you you know kind of like a little bit of uh you know of flavor but the cool thing is is that you know, the first song is, is uh, I think it's how long is it? Like maybe 14 13 minutes? 13 minutes. 13 minutes, thank you. Uh, and it like introduces these sort of uh, melodies and stuff, and then they kind of revisit that as they uh, as they carry on. I liked it, man. I thought it was fun. Uh, I liked the song Gandhi, which was yeah. cool. That comes in with that crazy like electronic yeah. thing. But it's still, it still harkens back um, to that reoccurring melody. And, uh, and I really enjoyed it, and I thought it, it definitely did feel different than uh, the magma, lava, mushrooms, right. earth, wind, fire. This was yeah, <laughs> so yeah. This was back blood, sweat, and tears, and earth, wind, fire. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> this was back to what a lot of their music is, which is Stu McKenzie kind of being the person overseeing it and writing the majority of the music. Um, I enjoyed it. I think my favorite track on this was the opener changes because it is like here is the theme and here is, I mean the focal point of the record you know and they took their music into the like there's a hip-hop section in the middle of it Mm -hmm. in this 13 minute like Mm -hmm. and they started off as this like garage rock band so for them to grow and it works that's the cool thing too you're listening to it and they're vibing through this whole song and the beginning of it is like the piano Mm -hmm. like moving changings like that and you can see on the album cover the pianos on there as well and then they move into that like floaty liquid space they go into that hip-hop space and then they like rock up the ending it's really everything they do well in one song and it's such a complicated song when you realize what they're doing in the song and it's cool it's kind of like three or four songs kind of more like four songs packed into one very interesting yeah, I, I especially like, like I said, I liked Gandhi, but then I like how it goes into Exploding Suns after Gandhi. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, that's what I'm, when I say well paced, that's what I mean, because Gandhi's kind of in your face and intense. And then Exploding Suns kind of like washes that yeah. last song away. But you, you, I like that idea of the reoccurring theme throughout the album because there's a sense of familiarity and it's just reminding you, like, hey, we're still playing with this right. thing, you know? And I like this album, too, because it had, like, that one song, up, long song up front, but this felt, like, better paced than the last one or at least more, like, breathable than the last record. Like, this one thought felt more thought out and, like, themed in that way where you're saying, like, they hint back on musical mm. themes, which I really liked where the last record for me was a little more, like, more, it was more jam centric on like the last one mean the ice lava yes. whatever okay. where that record was a little more like dense in the jamming right. this one feels more like themed even to like 
you know, it's like change, and they kind of got like the same lyrical thing where they're talking about like the end of times and astroturf and uh, exploding suns in the song "Exploding Sun." Um, Kaboom! And then you know they also have like the heavy LSD songs, which is like "Nobody" and what I would call Gandhi, which sounds like you know they're tripping kind of songs. But um, it has more of that concise like this is a record and it was a it was way shorter too this is 40 minutes long right and the other record was like an over an hour long yeah like hour and two minutes maybe or something so this is more concise i love this a lot more uh like mike said i really liked the like gandhi into exploding suns uh an interesting fact too this record has been five years in the making for this band that's yeah that's true so they started on that title track five years ago which mm. was dissatisfied left the album came back to it uh in this time and exploding suns is a take from five years ago yeah it's from 2017 ev- everything yeah. else on this record is a current so i thought that was cool too how they s- mixed something that they had done and they like brought it back in and made it work with the rest of the record so yeah and that was back in the midst of like the infest the rat nest and polywana gala land or whatever however you pronounce that um yeah. um i also want to say on that the <laughs> hip-hop part of this yeah. track um when I'm talking about bands and experimenting, that works. The Jack White record from this year where he has Q-Tip on it and it doesn't work. A, B, these two songs and the, the part of those songs because this is where they took the influence it and it, they vibe on it. It works well and because it, it fits with their flavor. They're not – they're out of their box, but they're in their box. They're doing yeah. their thing. Yeah, yeah. The Jack White thing feels – awkward and weird and not right for like many reasons and then i just wanted to you know in the same Mm. musical genre an idea that works much better yeah so yeah throwing that out there i love i did like this record so much better yeah it's not it's not my favorite from of theirs from the month of october 2022 (laughs) no you like the modes one better yeah yeah very interesting Blood, sweat, tears, earth, one fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also like Ace the bass. hate dancing song because that was cool. Where he was like, "I hate dancing," and then like the lyrics changed. Where like the girl was like, mm. "No, you're gonna dance with me," and he's like, "I like dancing." <laughs> so like that was kind of cool, and it was like yeah. made me laugh a little. Like the I lyric just, was more like yeah. something like instead of like I'm high or like yeah. the sun's exploding. I think the big thing here is yeah. that what King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard has to offer a listener is you know if you don't like this album just wait a month <laughs> and then literal we'll give you something that, different completely different next yeah. month that's literally a quote i think from their bass player i think i read yeah. that the other day oh really yes yeah so, but that's um, what I'm saying. but they do have the i think like kind of like to piggyback off of what you were saying you know their their box is outside the box More like dodecahedron you know yeah right uh <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, if, if, if you don't like this record there, there it's the, how many records have they released since this? It's like 20 something. This, this is, is our like 23rd 20, release, yeah. 23rd release. So you have another 22 records that you can go back to and listen to. I'm sure you'll find something that you like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're oh, always also, putting stuff out. um, I had, I think I now saw the podcast or at least to you guys, I had said something, but a lot of their albums, their early albums, was taken off of streaming while they worked out stuff with their old label. Oh. It's all back. Yes, I noticed that. Um, so there we go. Yeah. So real quick round table, uh, if we can give a rating, what are we going to rate this record? Jeff, would you like to, to lead us off here since yes. this is your... So I don't remember what I gave Ice, Death, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I like this one a little less, but it might end up being the same rating because I forget what I gave that. But this is... Eight a, and a half, that one. Yeah, I would say this is still like an eight and a half for me yeah. because... Like, I really like what this band does. I really, I go along for the ride. And, like, this isn't a band that's trying to make, like, songs in a conventional sense. They're, like, feeling it out and, like, just throwing a bunch of paint on the canvas and, like, working with different colors and textures and feelings and vibes and emotions. And, um, yeah, so I always enjoy what they do. So, eight, eight and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Luke? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go seven. I like this record more than the last record, and I don't remember what I gave that one. So if my ratings are a little off, forgive me. But um, this is gonna be a seven. I would like them to get a little more, like lyrically, you know, out there. 
Uh, so that's my only gripe, but the music on this was much more concise and mm. felt edited, mm. which I really liked. So, yeah. And uh, shout out to the piano on the cover because this is a very piano-heavy, mm. wonderful record. So. Yeah. Tasteful use of flute I found in this one as well. Agree. Um, I I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna pitchfork you guys. I'm gonna go seven eight on this record. Mm. I do like it then. Blood, sex, sugar, magic. But <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, I I enjoyed it, and I'm interested in seeing what they're gonna do next. You know, this is a band that is constantly releasing new music and giving you all kinds of different flavors and varieties and. I think it'll be interesting. Um, uh, Mackenzie, oh, I forget his last Stu. Uh, first name. Stu, Stu McKenzie. Thank you. Uh, Stu McKenzie is clearly like a principal songwriter as well. So it's interesting that he has so many flavors and stuff. And it's obviously it's always the sum of the parts. But um, but yeah, I'll go seven eight on changes from KGLW as I like to say. <laughs> Uh, let us know what you think in the comments below. Also, what do you think of the new Revolver uh, stereo sound? What do you think about Steely Dan? <laughs> do you, <think> <laughs> you want to join the Facebook forum? I'm on three or four of them. <laughs> Keep a lookout for that. Uh, so, yeah, let us know in the comments below. Also, please, like we always say, remember to comment and like and subscribe and share Tell the YouTube channel. Tell yes, a stranger. tell a stranger. Uh, to tell a stranger. Tell a stranger, tell a stranger, tell a stranger. <laughs> to subscribe to our podcast about music it's the best music podcast ever made in the world in the world in the world we'll see you next time guys bye-bye <laughs>